Hey there, all you Dora Milaje. Strap on your armor, because this week we're talking about Marvel's new hit movie, Black Panther. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's a tech genius who saves her sibling time and time again. It's my sister, Marissa. I'm recording this for posterity and, and research and stuff. Go ahead. It's actually true. I was like, what can I do for Marissa's intro? And I was like, oh, the true thing that is <laughs> what she has in common with Shuri, who's arguably one of my favorite characters. Oh, she's and for sure my favorite character. That's yeah. why I, I was like, I know Marissa's going to want to be Shuri. I could do a lot of different <laughs> things for her, but I know she's going to want to be Shuri. So, Although in my heart of hearts, like I would like to be the general. Yes, Okoye. But I'm not. <laughs> I don't... None of us is. <laughs> Listeners, this week we are talking about Black Panther. Cue some Kendrick Lamar music. Yeah, I'll put that in in post. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, it is all 100% spoilers, so please, yeah. don't, please don't listen to this unless you've seen the movie. If you haven't seen it, stop what you are <laughs> doing. If you're one of the seven people in America who haven't seen this movie yet. I know a lot of people who haven't seen it yet, and I'm like, everyone get on it immediately yeah if you haven't seen it stop what you're doing right now reassess your life decisions and go to see this movie please (laughs) maybe they're just people who don't like crowded movie theaters and i respect that that's fair that's fair it was a crowded showing and uh when i went um i i would like to start off with a little anecdote of me seeing this movie but uh we'll get there First, some housekeeping. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. I know I realized that we haven't been asking people to rate and review us on iTunes, so if you would do that, that would be lovely. Help us get some boosts. And then you can follow and like us on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play uh, on Twitter at The Good Play Pod, and on Gmail, uh, you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. Okay. Before we get started, okay. uh, just like Star Wars, I want to run through our bona fides, and mine are certainly not as shiny as they were for Star Wars. No, not nor are mine. My Marvel Cinematic Universe cred is a little thin. I saw the first two Iron Man movies. I saw the Avengers. I've seen both Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and that is it. That is it. So I have missed way more than I have seen. So that's actually why um, I put up, I put in a little setup here that I can kind of run through of like where we first meet T'Challa in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I've never seen it before. But I think it's also important for us to note, uh, at least for me, we didn't really grow up reading superhero comics. So I got into comics. No, we watched some X-Men on TV, but that was it. So I, I got into comics in college and have been into them since and if anybody wants to talk to me about graphic novels I'm all here for that but you know I we don't have a very deep knowledge of the comics I have done some reading in advance of the movie and everything but just I like to read Wikipedia pages and then pretend like I know what I'm talking about exactly. <laughs> that's pretty much what uh what we did and and I've read a lot of of things subsequently um I've heard very good things about the new Marvel Black Panther run with Ta-Nehisi Coates, and I that has been on my to-read list. I think Roxanne Gay also did some Black Panther stuff, like a Wakandan universe run or something. I'm Maybe in not, for that. Not focused on Black Panther, but focused on other things in Wakanda. I'm totally in for that. So that is to say that I think we're going to be focusing a little bit more on this movie than we are on sort of the history of Black Panther, although we can certainly get into what we know about it. 
but it's I don't think it's going to be as I mean in I, fairness he was never a major character he never really had until the last few years he was not a, a big star in the Marvel lineup um he's been around for decades but yeah but he's been a minor character I don't know about that I Wikipedia backs uh, me up on oh, this. okay <laughs> <laughs> So, as you can tell, um, <laughs> yeah. So I think we're gonna we're not gonna be as I think like granular and pedantic with this as we were with Star Wars. Yeah, well, well said. But I think we there's certainly a lot to get into, and I have certainly seen a lot more of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, including uh, Civil War, which is where we first see uh, T'Challa. Um, which is... I'm just looking at the list of movies and realizing that uh, my my run of watching Marvel movies ended precisely the minute that my firstborn was born. There you go. <laughs> that, that explains a, a, a lot really of It really does. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first one that I actually... Man, no, not... So, sorry. I, I did see the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies in theaters. I'm a sucker for space. Yeah. But... We saw the first one of those together while we were on vacation. So the yeah, mom so and dad my... were watching... <laughs> your firstborn mm-hmm. yeah so i mean i've seen all three iron mans i've seen all of the avengers i've seen thor captain america i've seen all of the captain america movies uh i saw i actually have not seen the first two thor movies but i saw the third one okay <laughs> and it was like fine it wasn't anything special anthony hopkins was like basically just gathering his check and going home that's kind of how i felt about it but i also saw i've seen the two guardians movies any of the new spider-man i haven't seen the new spider-man movies because i want them to do something not about peter parker there are new spider-men that they could talk about and oh i saw ant-man Ant-Man. I saw that one. I saw Benedict Cumberbatch and his terrible American accent. I keep meaning accent. to watch that. I keep meaning to watch that on uh, Netflix. It's that very good. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Um, the effects are amazing. Benedict Cumberbatch's accent is horrendo. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> but the effects are great. The effects are great. So yeah, I've seen a whole bunch of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm also very excited for Infinity War, which is coming up. I, it, that just looks exhausting to it, me. It looks... There are like 64 main characters. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah, the trailer ends with Thor finding the Guardians of the Galaxy guys, and it's like, oh, sorry, the movie wasn't overstuffed enough. Let's throw in the space people. So we are coming very close to basically... The Patton Oswalt yes! monologue from Parks and Rec. Yes. So for, yes. So for those of you who don't know, but you really should know, just go on YouTube and check out Patton Oswalt Parks and Rec. I think it's called the, Phil- the Patton Oswalt filibuster. filibuster. Where he essentially... he Now he brings in Star Wars Star well. Wars, which could happen because yeah. now they're all owned by the same... It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no. Or so we think. Um, so yeah. So we are pretty well versed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I try also to keep up with some of the stuff that's going on in the comics. But I think... This movie has kind of a life of its own outside of... Yeah, I gotta give them mad props that it did not depend on knowing anything from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, except the second uh, post-credit sequence. Yeah, guys, we're spoilies all day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're we're doing... So Marissa saw it first, 
because uh, I literally every showing in Brooklyn was sold out basically <laughs> uh, for opening weekend. So I saw it on the Monday. Now you wish you lived in suburbia. <laughs> and so we saw it on the Monday and, and you texted me and said, make sure you stay all the way through the credits. So I thank you for that. Yeah, it doesn't depend on you knowing anything about the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I think is, you know, probably was intentional. Absolutely intentional. They knew that this was going to draw a crowd that did not, it was not the, like, I've seen every Marvel movie crowd. Right. And I tip my hat to them for that because it was really just such a refreshing viewing experience and there's a so lot the second post credit sequence has bucky from the civil the sorry the captain america yeah storyline yes i don't I, I don't care to know anything about that oh i was i would i just you know so no bucky, don't no don't, no you don't want to know i just he was brainwashed it was bad something something it was captain, captain america and he are maybe lovers no. not totally sure <laughs> so the the only thing i'll add to that is (laughs) that perfect description that per that pitch that chef's kiss of a description is in this in civil war captain america civil war is when we first meet T'Challa and he is actually pursuing Bucky Barnes because he believes that Bucky Barnes as the Winter Soldier is responsible for the death of his father, who is okay, the, which opened, the, which the we see in Wakanda in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. So in Civil War, the king of Wakanda, I think his name is T'Chaka. Yeah. Is um, addressing the United Nations and the room that they're in is bombed. T'Challa so who actually did it? Um, I should really watch Civil War again. <laughs> I don't remember. Some wa- random faceless evil syndicate um, or something. Yeah, it was. Um, it was somebody from Leviathan, which is the. Oh no! Okay, whatever. <laughs> who could care? Who could care? Uh, so a lot of people care. It was Daniel Bruhl, who I actually kind of feel bad for him because he always gets typecast as being basically a Nazi in like every movie I've seen him in. But uh, yeah, he so he basically he basically masterminds this whole thing. And Bucky has been doing evil things, but is, as you said, brainwashed. And so T'Challa is pursuing him. And that's sort of when we see the first instance of the Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So this movie picks so up... So the second post-credit sequence, we see Bucky... Ha- oh, so so I will say that the one thing that in, in Shuri's dialogue that had me going, wait, what? Was when she says, another broken white boy for us to fix. And I was like, what is that supposed to mean? Because she's talking about Martin Freeman. Yes. Yes. What is that supposed to mean? And then, then in the post-credit sequence, you learn, oh, she also healed Bucky Barnes. I guess she... Did she cut off his arm? Was his arm cut off? His arm was cut off already. How come everybody's losing... Like, Thor lost an eye? What are they... They're just dismembering their heroes? um, Claw. Andy Serkis only has one arm. Yeah, it's weird. Listen, when you come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, they don't play. Times are tough. They don't don't play. (laughs) They'll hack that S right off. Um... That shirt, I guess, if we're sticking yeah, with our normal. We are. <laughs> Hack that shirt off. So yeah, actually, that's... I didn't even catch that, but you're totally right. I just sort of thought that that line was played for laughs, because that's what it got in my theater. 
No, it was very purposeful, and I really appreciated that they've tied that up, because otherwise it would have been niggling at me. Yeah, so he's basically in, like, a hut, and uh, he comes out. I think they they imply that he's the White Wolf, which is, again, I know from Wikipedia, (laughs) the White Wolf is usually a different character, so that's interesting. Huh, maybe maybe they're calling him that or something, I don't know. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit, um, because we kind of jumped... We, I kind of jumped to the end. Yeah. I do want to give like just a very 10,000 foot view of this movie. I think that's a great idea. But I also want to say before I start that I strongly recommend that people not see this in 3D. I saw it in 3D and I felt that it was a mistake. It does not seem to have been designed to be viewed in 3D. And 3D has a known brightness problem. So this is something that Roger Ebert wrote a lot about before he died. 3D movies, for technical reasons that I don't understand, tend to lose brightness on the screen. And a lot of the scenes in this movie have very dark backgrounds. So, like, the whole Korea sequence is is a nighttime outdoor sequence of car chases. The final battle in the... The final battle is very dark. Shuri's lab is all, like, the, the background is all black. So I had a very hard time sort of focusing on what was going on because it was it just wasn't bright enough. So I strongly recommend that you see this movie in 2D. I saw it in 2D and I thought it looked great. Yeah. I'm sure it was totally I'm sure it was designed for for 2D and it was all 3D in post and it just it doesn't work. I don't I didn't feel it worked. The one scene that was really cool in 3D was in the Gorilla King's throne room. Yeah. You know had all those like sticks hanging up up from the ceiling. Yeah. And seeing that in 3D was really astounding. But, oh, cool. But that was the only thing that really gave you a good sense of anything in 3D. The rest was would have been just as cool in 2D. So anyway. Thanks for the PSA. Yes. I really wanted to get that out there. Like, don't make the same mistake I did, you know, to the 40 people who are listening to this. <laughs> and who already saw the movie. Yeah. <laughs> don't well, see it in 3D. Well, if you see it again, don't see it in 3D. I'm probably going to see it again. So don't yeah, see it in 3D. Yeah, don't see it in 3D. So the, the 10,000 foot view of this movie is that we have T'Challa, who's played by Chadwick Boseman. Yes, who, he is. <laughs> he, all right. <laughs> His father has just died. He is going back to Wakanda to ascend to the throne. He, for some reason, is already the Black Panther, even though it seems like the Black Panther is the person who is the king. His, so I don't really understand. His kind of old. I think they probably, the Black Panther has to be like a young guy, probably. But if you have like mystical flower strength, I don't see why that matters. But in any case, he's already the Black Panther, but he also has to become king. And he undergoes so first he i don't really want to do like a like a a beat by beat plot on this but um we do get introduced to his ex-girlfriend who's played by lupita nyong'o what's her character's name nakia nakia she is in the middle of like a deep undercover action against who is essentially boko haram yeah and they end up kind of blowing her cover but also saving all the women that she was with which is super cool um they go back to wakanda T'Challa goes through the ritual to ascend to the throne where he has to beat any challengers. And he does have one challenger who is the, I keep, I, in my mind, he's the gorilla king. So he is the, yeah. So he is the, the leader of the tribe that sort of aligns themselves with gorillas. It seems to me. Yeah. So So like gorillas are their spirit animal. So at the very beginning, we kind of get this interesting, like, 
Papa, tell me a story about Wakanda, like the sort of formation of Wakanda. And there are that's five- meant to be that's meant to be Eric, isn't it? Little Eric talking to his dad. Oh, I I wonder if it is. I think it is. I thought it was uh... because it cuts from there to Oakland. Yeah, oh, that so makes I sense. think it's supposed to imply. That makes sense. So there are five tribes in Wakanda. Four of them unite under the panther, the the leader, the Black Panther, and one of them says, "We don't want to unite with you," and they go to the mountains, and they are sort of under the gorilla masthead, I guess. Yeah. So he does get a challenge from the Gorilla King, M'Baku. And it's a close one, but T'Challa wins and it's like no hard feelings. And and he's merciful gorilla... about it. He's like, come on, man, don't, don't, yeah, make... don't make me kill you. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. So and he doesn't. So he he's king. Hooray. They give him he they had stripped his Black Panther strength. They give it back to him. He go. He gets buried in ceremonial sand, and he goes to the spiritual plane, and he meets his dad. And his dad's like, you know, good job. You're the Black Panther king now. Hooray! <laughs> right. I, mean, <laughs> I only saw it once. I have to just do this from memory, and you know, my memory is terrible. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, I'll jump in yeah. where I can. Sure. And then, um, so there's this whole thing where so his the general of his so his whole army is this Dora Milaje. Is it Milaje or Milaje? Milaje, I thought. Okay. So the Dora Milaje are is this so in the comics apparently they're like a a, a whole group of potential wives for him, which is like so super creepy, and I'm glad that they excised that from yeah. the movie. Not cool. These these ladies are total badasses. They're all it's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. So he's got this army of of women called the Dormalaje and they're basically Wakandan secret service yeah and Lupita Nyong'o is not one of them she's sort of a spy who does her own thing and then he got he's got his cool mom who's Angela Queen Bassett. Angela Bassett that <laughs> woman has she was not born aged. to play I know <laughs> since like waiting to exhale right <laughs> she's been the same age since how Stella got her groove back <laughs> And he's got this cool sister named Shori, who is the best. And she is, like, the head engineer of Wakandan Enterprises, LLC. <laughs> she's, yes. Well, it's, it's all government she's, run She runs kind of like the Ministry of Technology, almost. There you go. Yeah. Basically, what happens is that the general of the Dormalaje, her boyfriend, husband, I don't know what their relationship is. Totally. I don't know what their living situation is, because I assume <laughs> she lives in the palace and they yeah. are on opposite sides almost this entire movie. I'm like, if you are living at home, that is some awkward dinner conversation. Yeah. So her boyfriend, what's the character's name? Wakabi. Wakabi. Okay. Wakabi's dad was killed by this guy, Ulysses Claw. Played by Andy Serkis. Right. This white dude. This white dude who also stole a bunch of vibranium, the... MacGuffin. Thank MacGuffin. you, the MacGuffin. You know, the MacGuffin metal that you know, makes Wakanda so advanced and cool. It's the strongest substance in the Marvel yeah, but Cap, universe. Cap's shield is made out of it, yeah. for starters. Yeah. And all of the Wakandan tech is made out of it. So so Andy Serkis, Ulysses Claw, stole a bunch of it from Wakanda back in, like, 92. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the beginning that's the cold scene open. of the movie, yeah. Yeah, the cold open is in Oakland, where we see two what we dis- what we discover later to Wakandan guys but who are undercover in Oakland essentially about to arm the 
so this is right around the time of the LA riots. Yeah. And they're about to like arm the black folks in Oakland with very scary weaponry. And then T'Chaka kind of comes in and is like, hey, one of you, you, um, you helped Andy Circus steal all of our, not all, steal a tiny percentage of our vibranium. Yeah. And he's going to take him, it's his brother, I should say, it's T'Chaka's brother. And he's going to take his brother home to Wakanda to to sort of take him to court. But then the brother is about to kill the other Wakandan undercover guy who grows up to be Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> this is the crazy... Sorry. <laughs> this is just like the craziest... Cast. We- yeah. Yeah. And, but So then T'Chaka ends up killing his brother. Sort of yeah. like Lion King. <laughs> so, and that, so that's the cold open. And, and so anyway... It's back the opposite to the- of Lion King. Yeah, you're right. So back to present day. So Wakabi is like on T'Challa's butt to get vengeance on Ulysses Claw because Ulysses Claw also killed Wakabi's dad while he was getting this vibranium. Yeah, because his dad was on basically border patrol for okay. Wakanda at the time. Yeah, that's what this the, Wakabi seems to be like a border because he's like right there at the border when, spoiler alert, Michael B. Jordan comes over the border. Yeah. So it seems like his people are border people. So... It's Charles like, yeah, 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 I'm going to get Ulysses Claw, whatever. They find out Ulysses Claw is going to be at, so, oh, God, this movie is so complicated. So, so Michael, we see Michael B. Jordan go into what is essentially the British Museum and murder everybody and take a couple of Wakandan artifacts. He's like, I'm feeling this one. I thought it yeah. was great. Yeah. It was, he's, it he's, was terrifying and awful. It's terrifying. And he's also teamed up with Claw and a couple of other basically bad guys faceless bad guys and his girlfriend who he shoots to death later yes <laughs> that in a real chilling sp- sp- spine chilling move yeah so ulysses claw and michael b jordan whose name is eric killmonger <laughs> sure yep he gave himself that name or he got that name in the marines or something yeah he was basically like black ops special forces or something yeah yeah we don't learn that till later so shut your mouth okay. so okay well you you said this the no, second <laughs> You spoiled Bucky Barnes in like the first minute. I know. So if anybody's still listening, I'm trying. I'm trying. This is a two-hour movie. I'm trying so hard. Okay. So they go to Korea. Korea, right? South no, Korea. Hong Kong. South yeah, Korea. South Korea. Wow. Yeah, Korea. They go to Korea because they got word that they think that Ulysses Claw is going to sell this Wakandan artifact there. It turns out to be kind of a setup. Bang, bang, shoot, shoot. The only thing Martin that comes Freeman out of- is there. Martin Freeman is there. That's the only thing that comes out of this. Martin Freeman ends up tagging along with everybody for the rest of the movie, pretty much. It's the only thing that happens. Because Ulysses Claw gets away, and, and I don't think that any exchange happens. And there's a whole uh, there's a whole very like technologically cool car chase scene, but nothing comes of it. They they don't get to keep Wait, no, I guess they do take Claw into custody. They take him into custody. They take so him into after custody. the car chase. Right. Um, T'Challa is about to kill him, and basically Nakia says the world is watching. Everybody has their phones. Everyone out. has their phone out, Ugh. and so they take him into custody. And Claw talks to Martin Freeman and says, "Listen, the Wakandan sold you a bill of goods. You know, you think that Wakanda is this developing nation." He says, third world, but let's not do that." He says, "You think Wakanda is this developing nation? It's the most technologically advanced place in the world, and they have all this vibranium." And yeah, you should have seen this in the trailer, guys. That yeah, scene was yeah, in the yeah, trailer. yeah. 
And Martin Freeman doesn't believe him. And so he goes out to kind of talk to Okoye T'Challa. and T'Challa are there yeah. and Nakia is there as Lupita well. And says Lupita. Yeah. So they're all there and Martin Freeman's like trying to make a deal with them basically. Whose name is Everett Ross? Yeah. Okay. And while that's happening, Nakia realizes that there's something fishy going on. Yeah. Basically, and so Killmonger and his guys break in. They get Claw out basically. Yes. And in the in the process of that... Everett Ross throws himself in front of a bullet for Nakia. Nakia. So they bring him back to Wakanda because Wakanda is the only place that can, like, fix him, essentially. Because yeah, the he... bullet went through his spine, I yeah, think. Yeah, which is... Ugh. So they deliver him to Shuri, and Shuri is the best, and I want a Shuri standalone movie. <laughs> we need it. We need it. We need <laughs> or, it. Or, like, a Shuri TV show? Or, like, something. Because it's amazing. Because she... Fixes his body and is like, yeah, NBD. Like, let me just go in here and like rummage, rummage, rummage. Like, oh, I fixed it. Everything's cool. And, <laughs> and then when he wakes up, she just treats him. Eviscerates him. him. <laughs> it's amazing. She's not mean. She's just so funny. She has no time for yeah his nonsense. Anybody. Yeah, she yeah, eviscerates she t- her own brother too. She's great. She- she calls him colonizer, and it's everybody in my theater laughed. Every yes. single person. So, Wakabi is basically you know super pissed. T'Challa says he slipped through our fingers, and Wakabi's like, "You're just like your dad. You're not even trying." And I was like, "Hold up, man! Yeah. It was one mission that went awry. Like you need, you must chill." This is another one of those movies, much like Star Wars, where if communication had been better, yes. maybe this wouldn't have happened. So, because if he had said. Hey, um, so this creepy guy saved Ulysses' claw from her grasp, and he, you know, he, he, so like Ulysses' claw had help, and, and maybe they could have put the pieces together to know that it was Killmonger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, whatever. So Killmonger basically gets to Wakanda. He kills. No, no, no. First he kills. Yeah. First he kills Ulysses' claw. And his own girlfriend. And his own girl that in that cold is blood. It cold is blood. Awful. And then he goes to Wakanda and he dumps Ulysses Claw's body in front of Wakabi and is like, Hey, I got you this dead guy. And Wakabi takes him to the throne room. And is like where- instant loyal instantly loyal to this stranger over his own showed up. Oh, friend. Not yeah, great. It's not, it's great, not a good luck for you. No, it's Daniel not. Kalua. <laughs> Then in the in the throne room, it's like the council room or whatever. It's like T'Challa, his mom, and like the elders and Michael B. Jordan. I keep wanting to call him Nick Cannon. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael B. Jordan says, "This is who I am." You know, my dad was the brother of T'Chaka, and T'Chaka murdered him. I believe he also makes that accusation, right? Yeah. yeah. And left me in Oakland. And here I am now. And I want to challenge T'Challa for the throne. And he does. And he wins. And T'Challa falls off of a very large cliff. Which is the best way in comic books for someone to not really die. (laughs) Well... Yeah. And also in Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yes, also in Sherlock Holmes. And I did think to myself, I was like, I would be way more in suspense. I mean, I was still like, oh, God. But I was like, I'd be way more, way more in suspense if I didn't know you were in Infinity War, which is coming out in May. Yeah, for real. I mean, they showed the trailer for it before this movie, like, cut yeah. me a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no suspense there, right? But so, But then he does become king, which I was a little bit 
surprised by. Killmonger becomes king. Yeah. He 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 gains the strength of the Black Panther. He 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 drinks the special flower potion and then he orders all the rest of the flowers burned, but thankfully Nakia sneaks in and grabs one before the rest of them are burned. Let's hope that they can grow more. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. And then Killmonger instantly is like, "Okay, here's my plan. All people everywhere. Well, I don't know if it's all people everywhere. I think it's people of African descent yeah. across the globe." Yeah. Who are being oppressed. Yep. We're going to arm them with Wakandan tech and we're going to murder everybody else, including their children. Which sounds great because my next door neighbor is black. So that would mean that I was super dead <laughs> under Killmonger's plan. Well, super, super duper dead. There, there are, all, yeah, it's, there's a, so there's a through line through the movie and you see kind of both sides of this. There's a through line in the movie of Wakanda is this isolationist nation that has super duper isolationist. Like to the point where they mask themselves from the outside world. Like that is how isolationist they are. And, you know, Nakia says we could use our wealth and our power for good in the world. And, you know, we have neighboring countries who, uh, have refugee crises and all these other things and, and we could help them and we could help people across the globe and provide aid and you know we have all this technology that could put good into the world and, and you know who's not into it is wakabi wakabi's not into it he says i have this in the notes he says if you let refugees in the, their problems come with them and you know T'Challa's kind of on the fence about it he's not super at the beginning he's not super keen about opening up wakanda to all of this because he's afraid of, you know, the negative consequences. And then Killmonger has the opposite. Uh, I think he learns this from his dad, Sterling K. Brown, kind of the opposite view of things, which is not let's export the good things, but let's export all of the weapons that we have and, and the, the technology that could help oppressed people overthrow their oppressors, which I don't think that that necessarily means your neighbors would come after you, but it would mean that she she she's been very nice about giving the kids Halloween candy. There you go. I think you guys are probably on pretty good terms, but I think what she means is you know no. What, I, I what, actually think that's exactly what he means. Honestly, I do. Oh, I, see, I took it as because, like you said, you know, in 1992. There were the LA riots and, you know, I thought he was sort of talking about more like the police brutality. And also, if you look at 92, he specifically says the sun will never set on the Wakandan empire. Yeah. He is not about, you know, oh, we're doing small scale change and we're, we're, we're attacking the problem at its roots. Like he wants to overthrow the entire world. Everyone who felt like this guy like i have read so many stories of people being like oh he kind of had a point no didn't <laughs> like well, he does he have a point that wakanda is too isolationist and should be intervening in things absolutely uh does he have a point that they should give slaughter weapons to every random person who was from the african diaspora and uh, encourage them to murder everybody else no <laughs> That's not a point. That's not a good point. That's that's. that's I didn't take it that way. I took it as. <laughs> okay. I took it. Well, I took it as overthrowing 
systems of power and systems of government, like law enforcement and stuff, which is still not, I would not recommend that to anybody. He specifically says that their children should be killed, right? Like, he says that line. Yeah, he does. So even if you're like, oh, yeah, F the police, are you also like F the police's children? (laughs) Like, that's not great. And the, the sun will never set on the Wakandan Empire to me, was towards the end, T'Challa says to him, like, you're basically becoming what you loathe. Like, you're becoming an imperialist. Yeah, so, someone wrote an article about this. Oh, I, I'm gonna, I'll have to dig it up. But they, they compared it to uh, George W. Bush, which I thought was hilarious and, and pretty on the nose about, like, you know, all this this sort of, like, this vision of going out into the world and just sort of waging war and trying to make the world more like your own country. Yeah. Which is not a good look for anybody. No. Let me just, okay, let me get through the plot. I was going to so, say, we're, we're veering into discussion, so yeah. there's not too much left of the plot at this point. Yeah, so Killmonger is king, and he's like, all right, let's get those weapons out to all black people everywhere. And meanwhile, Angela Bassett, Ramonda is the character's name of Angela Bassett. Ramonda and Nakia and Shuri have like oh and and with the one white guy with Everett Ross yes <laughs> they can't leave him behind Killmonger would for sure just kill him right out of the gate yeah and Nakia says he took a bullet for me he's good people like yeah like let's, let's just get yeah. let's get him out of here they flee to Mbaku and and they bring the one flower that's left and they're like look you're the only hope that Wakanda has because we have this ridiculous system by which someone has to best the king in combat in order to become the king here's like the black panther flower and and you have to take this and you have to become king and Mbaku is probably the funniest guy in the movie he is he is so great did you know that he and Lupita Nyong'o went to Yale together i did not but i love that and he is not he is so not having any of their stuff, and he especially is not having Everett Ross's stuff, which yeah. is pretty great. He says that he's gonna eat him, and then he's like, uh, "JK, we're vegetarians yes. <laughs> because they're the gorilla tribe, so like girls are vegetarians." And then they're like, and he's like, "Ugh, fine, we have T'Challa here. We put him in ice, and he's barely alive, but here he is." And they give him the Black Panther flower, and he goes back into the spirit world and oh i damn it okay i have to go back for a second okay let me do this part first in the spirit world he sees his dad and he's like why did you leave my cousin in oakland and his dad's like oh and that's it pretty much his dad is like sort of like he wanted to keep the status quo you know his dad such a lame lack of excuse man his dad was this and it seems like the same way that all of the other rulers were very isolationist because they saw what was going on around them in the world and were just like not our circus like we're not doing this not so, our gorilla tribe yes. right exactly not our panthers not our circus <laughs> not our panthers we're not doing this and so they so i think you know confronting the fact that he left this young boy behind was just because he, he didn't he didn't tell anybody that he did it angela bassett doesn't believe michael b jordan Oh, yeah, that's right. So Nobody knows uh, except Forrest Whitaker, because Forrest Whitaker... Forrest Whitaker was there. Was there. Yes. Oh, and Killmonger killed him. I missed that part. Anyway, what I was going to go back yeah. and say is that when Killmonger has his vision quest, he doesn't actually get to go out on, like, the beautiful plains of This was of so sad. Trippy. It was... Oh, man, it was brutal. 
he is in an, in his apartment where he grew up, where his dad was killed, and you can see Wakanda out the window, but he's not actually allowed into Wakanda proper. I thought that was beautiful. And his dad is Sterling K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown is probably the best actor in this movie, at least the best male actor in this movie. And he is so criminally underused. It was one of the things when I left the theater, I was like, how did you hire Sterling K. Brown for I have this a role and give him like six lines? I have a theory. Sterling K. Brown is... Too busy filming This Is Us, where he has, like, a starring role. So he probably was like, I have four hours in between shoots. Do you need me to do what? Okay, I can stand here and I could be like, you know, no tears for me. That was so sad. It was like, ugh, it was so sad. Yeah, so he so he, he was confronts great. his dad, sort of alternating between his child self and his adult self. He confronts his dad in his vision quest. And his dad is basically like, oh boy, like, I messed you up pretty good, didn't I? Yeah, for real. Anyway, fast forward. T'Challa, he's alive because of the flower. And then he goes back and he has to... So this is like the final battle. There's two objectives here at the same time. One is to stop the weapons from being exported from Wakanda. Two is to get Killmonger to not be king anymore. So the second is pretty much T'Challa's thing to do solo. The first thing is a whole pitched battle on this big green. The Dora Milaje who had been loyal to the throne, but now they see that the challenge is not technically over, so then they get to switch allegiances back to T'Challa. And meanwhile, Wakabi's people are on Killmonger's side. So they are all fighting each other, and I really did not like that one bit, because I didn't like to see Wakandan on Wakandan um, Well, violence. that's the thing, is that it, it causes, I think, probably the first like real civil war that Wakanda has ever had, right? Yeah, thankfully it lasts like 20 minutes. Yeah. But- not a proud day in their history. No. So, blah, blah, blah. Killmonger and Black Panther face off sort of inside Shuri's, inside the Vibranium uh, tran- mines. Yeah. I, I was not very inspired by this fight scene. I thought it was pretty lame. T'Challa is in his Black Panther suit and also Killmonger has a Black Panther suit, which is sort of the a... Shuri also made. Shuri yeah. made two and, and so he has the flashier one. Yeah. T'Challa manages to stab Killmonger, and then he has this really poignant death scene where he takes, T'Challa takes Killmonger out to see, like, a Wakandan sunset. Yeah. And he says, look, we can probably heal you. And Killmonger's like, no, throw my body in the ocean with the rest of my ancestors who jumped off the slave ships, which is like, oh, brother, man, like, you are a total downer 100% of the time. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's what we were supposed to get from that, but sure. I, I Look, I gotta be me. And <laughs> meanwhile, um, you know, the, the battle that's happening, Everett Ross is piloting one of Shuri's, like, phantom ships and manages to get all the Wakandan ships down out of the sky. And the Dora Milaje are triumphant. And, and really, Wakabi's team kind of... Surrenders. Uh, Surrenders, yeah, because they are overwhelmed. And that's it. And then T'Challa decides, okay, now we're going to, like, go into Oakland where Killmonger grew up. And we're going to start, like, a Wakandan outreach center, which I don't even know what that is. But they they actually show a bunch. like a cultural exchange. Like an embassy, I guess. I guess. And they show a bunch of little black kids playing in the neighborhood. Their super cool spaceship. Is that a Bugatti spaceship? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was so funny. Yeah. And then in the first post credit sequence, he goes to the United Nations and he's like, hey, guess what? 
we're not what you think we are. And then in the second postcard sequence, we see Bucky Barnes. Yeah. So and there is a that, romantic subplot that nobody cares about. Uh, the first not one person cares which about. Which one? Who are you talking about? Lupita Nyong'o and Chadwick Boseman. Oh, I No care. one cares. I cared a little bit. Really? I yeah. thought it was so underwhelming and like they didn't really have any chemistry and it was so obviously like a, 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 not even a second thought it was like a fifth thought on the well there's a the... lot going on and i think the thing is that nakia is such an interesting character uh, in her own right that we are 45 minutes in and i just finished the summary Jesus. god help me but yeah, yeah nakia is so cool that yeah she's she not like a love interest type i mean yeah she's not she's not what we come to know about. I was actually talking to a coworker of mine about it who is not a Marvel person at all but saw this movie and loved it and we were talking about it and she basically said that she loved Lupita Nyong'o's character and I said I did too and I actually talked about Doctor Strange and the fact that uh, Rachel McAdams' character in that movie exists solely to be like this spurned love interest for Doctor Strange and it's just like her character Rachel McAdams is in Doctor Yes okay, I gotta watch this movie. It's so her character's so underwhelming and she's so underutilized and it was just all very, the love interests in the Marvel movies all are just of them terrible. Are, all of them are and Nakia is the first one who is like I am my own woman, I am my own character and so like I think probably the love story between the two of them took a backseat just because like she had to kick a lot of butt in the movie and did so very well and was also incredibly outspoken as like basically T'Challa's conscience on how to handle Wakanda's wealth and technology. I Yeah, but I just, I, I thought the physical chemistry just wasn't there at all. Oh, see, maybe I was just, you know, pretending. Did you see that, that she and Michael B. Jordan you know, the people are speculating that the two of them are actually dating. She makes him do push-ups on command. Have you seen yes. this? Well, that's one of the many reasons people think they might be dating. He lost a bet. I would not be mad about that, by the way. Nobody would be mad about that. Michael B. Jordan. He is so cool. Oh, they're all. Anyway, I, so anyway let's not fangirl here. I'm going to do just that. <laughs> Do you want to run through, let's run through some of our, let's, let's do kind of what we did for Star Wars, where we talk about like our favorite things and our meh things and things we didn't like, which I think there's going to be less here that we didn't like. Yeah. Because I think it was a more solid movie than Last Jedi. Yeah. It was a more consistent movie than Last yeah. Jedi. Yeah. Things I really like. Shuri is the best. Yes. All much. the women. All the women. All the women are so all great. All the women are great. I loved, you know who I really empathize with was Okoye when she, when she has to tell N- Lupita Nyong'o like my you know, my allegiance is to the throne. It's not to one particular ruler. I thought about you yeah. when that happened. I was like, oh, I was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, but that's the thing is that she's basically a government servant. She's, she's secret service. And if you're a member of the secret service, you don't right, get exactly. to have an opinion about who's on the throne. You, you are, there is some poor secret service agent who has to like go, be Ivanka's point man when she goes skiing in the Alps or something. I'm like, yeah. is that the job he signed up for? No, no. it is not. But like, that's the job that's he has job. to do. And the same with Akoya. And I, I felt like just this rush of like, oh, she gets it. Like, this, and the writers get it. It's like that's really. Nice. And then of course later she gets to uh, on a technicality kind of get to <laughs> switch sides. A, switch sides. But I was fine with that. But I thought her relationship with Nakia also was so nuanced because they clearly care about each other. They're basically sisters. But Nakia, she and Nakia have that 
moment where, you know, in a moment of sort of, she's frustrated, Okoye is frustrated, and she basically says, like, I can't, I'm not like you, like, you get to do whatever you want, and I, I can't do that, and so, you know, get out of right. here. They basically. also argue about bringing Everett into country. They do, they do. And she, and I thought Okoye was frankly correct, you know, that, like, she says, look, he's he works for his government, he is obligated to report back on everything he sees to his government and i was like okay okoye is right now morally yes they needed to fix everett's broken body yeah but if okoye had been like let's blindfold the dude and like and sedate him and fix him and then kind of dump him on the border i would have been like yeah i'm with her <laughs> he's, he just he's wakes CIA. up and like yeah yeah and he's like did i get shot I, that must have been a hallucination okay here i am now he's cia well and he's that's her bound in, and he's bound to report back you and know? that's her uh, her view as a government servant uh, uh, you know nakia has a different worldview because she gets to kind of move in and out more uh more yeah seamlessly. she's just a spy I, she seems to be a spy who just decided to be a spy she's not like I, maybe she is a, an official sort of spy for the king. I think probably. But I think she seems to be more sort of doing her own thing. I think it's she does what she wants. Like, yeah. it's just because nobody, because, so the whole, the the setup of them in the beginning is that, you know, they are not technically together. She and T'Challa at this point are not technically together, it sounds like. No, they're not. They're broken up. But he's still in love with her. And, you know, Okoye is like, when you see her, don't freeze and he's like oh i never freeze and then of course she confronts him and he does freeze and and that's sort of kind of what breaks her cover yeah i mean it so it sounds like to me that she just decided this is what she was gonna do and he was sort of yeah. too in love with her to say anything <laughs> which look if i were dating lupita nyong'o she could do whatever she wanted she's a goddess and angela bassett too is a queen like this is as you said before this is like the role she was born to play Letitia Wright, who plays Shuri, is just to me was like the breakout star of the movie. Oh, she is so she was great, so good. She was so good. Oh, uh, can I just say one thing? Yes, you can say as many what? things as you want. <laughs> can I just say two hours worth of things? How did nobody have the idea? They think T'Challa's dead. Killmonger's on the throne. How did nobody go? Hey, um, Shuri could be the queen. You know what I mean? Like. Why did no one ever even say out loud, like, well, we could give this Black Panther flower to Shuri. She is royal, right? She She is. She is. And if she had Black Panther power, maybe she could do something. Like, and I get that maybe she would have said, I don't want that. But the fact that nobody even mentioned it as a possibility, I was a little insulted by. I was like, Shuri is... You know, she would be next in line for the throne. So there is a comic book storyline where she becomes the Black Panther. Yes, so, please. I need that. You. Yes, we need that. We need that. Is she the is she the STEM queen in the comic books, or is that a thing that they invented for the movie? I think she is. I think she. Oh, is. all right. That would be great. What if she, you know, reigned over this like total like science nerd kingdom? You know, like please That's give me that you, movie. I think you are writing that right now. <laughs> I think you have opened a Google Doc of our own <laughs> dot org <laughs> slash Black <Panther>. slash <laughs> Shuri the STEM queen. Yeah, you know, Angela Bassett says that to Nakia. She says, why don't you take it? And Yeah, weirdly, Nakia... because I don't think that Nakia 
is anything. I've heard She's her not... described as a member of the royal family, so maybe there is like her oh, parents. So are... She's from a different tribe. You yes. can tell that because she's in. She's sitting in a different area during the challenges. Yeah, she's from a different tribe, so she must be like the tribal one of the four tribes that united under the Black Panthers' rule. She must be like a tribal, um, like royalty or whatever. Yeah, maybe or like maybe like in 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 the context of like England or something. She's like a duchess or something. Yeah, maybe. The context of the colonizers. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> mostly wasn't England on Africa. It was mostly like the Dutch and the French, right? Uh, and the Belgians, yeah. Um, yeah. It was just I, the English who were just stealing people just and selling everywhere them across else the water. Also, yeah. yeah, I mean, England was very involved in the slave trade, so I, I don't think we can excuse them entirely. I mean, no, as no, was I'm America. not trying to excuse them. <laughs> We're not excusing anyway. This is also a disclaimer we should have put up front. We are two white Very ladies. white. Very white people. So I will... We get sunburn just standing outside on a nice spring So I day. went to Kenya in 2015 uh, for my job. So I worked for an organization at the time where most of our staff was in Kenya and is Kenyan. And also I worked with a lot of African-American women. And we went uh, out to this... Basically this like pastoral area near Nairobi and we were outside for like 10 minutes and one of my coworkers looked at me and she's like you're turning pink and I was like yes <laughs> sorry this, this I was like, is defective yeah I was like we don't I don't I'm not <laughs> this is not yep um so and I was also this is uh, a story about my theater going experience. I was too white for the snacks that they had at this, so I went to go see it at an Alamo Draft House, which is oh, I'm super jealous. Was great, and they ha- they do for a lot. I thought their- they did a specific like a Chadwick Boseman like intro to they the did. movie. They did. Basically Chadwick Boseman was like staring you down and telling you not to text during the movie, which was hilarious. And then he was there at the end too. He right? was. He's like, I'm still watching you. <laughs> um Hey. Yeah, I was like I mean, we can I wanna talk forever about Chadwick Boseman, but when so they have like a lot of for different movies they'll have different menus and they had um a black panther menu and i was with kate who is uh you know the one that i watched the good place with and shouts to kate shouts to kate we love her and we went to this movie together and she's like you want to get popcorn i was like ooh they have they have black panther popcorn which is basically popcorn with all these like ethiopian spices (laughs) and i was like let's get that amazing it was incredible except it was so spicy marissa <laughs> i was like we were eating it like one kernel at a time and i i swear to god like the movie was starting and i was about like i grabbed like a handful and i put it in my mouth and i was like <laughs> <laughs> and my nose was running and i was just like just i'm crying and afterwards like, kate and i looked at each other we were like we are too white for this popcorn we're too white for it so like yeah i would have rather had that experience than my experience which was Show up at the theater with what I thought was enough time, and then the concession line was, you know, a hundred deep. And I was like, yeah, I guess I'm not getting popcorn for this movie. Because the heck am I standing in that line? No. No. But if you're at Alamo, you get to just order it yourself. Yeah, you get to order it, which is great. (sighs) Um, And they also had Ethiopian spiced wings, so I got those. But you wouldn't want that because you are, like, the gorilla tribe of vegetarians. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I felt a great affinity with them. Yes. yes. And I also got to see the movie with a lot of African-American women who were dressed uh, to the nines, basically, like had head wraps on and their and jewelry. And it was really like wonderful to see everybody coming out and dressing up for it. It was great. 
Uh, any other things that we want to specifically point out as being really great? I mean, Sterling K. Brown is amazing. He needs to be in everything. He does need to be in everything. Um, I will say... Obviously, there's a lot of good acting in this movie, but his was superb. Two things. Uh, one very quick thing, and then one thing I want to dive deeper into. The the quick thing I want to talk about is just how much swagger is in this movie. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, just the way he walks and the way he is, and I know I'm not supposed to like him, but... No, you are supposed to like him. He's the first, like, actually good Marvel villain. He's, like... Every other villain has been trash compared to him. He is just... Look, just because I think that his plan is horrific doesn't mean he's not a great villain. He is a great villain. He's charismatic, and he's got so much swagger, and he scarred himself, which I was like, oh my god, I... Yeah, it's like Kylo Ren pounding his own chest after he gets shot by (laughs) Chewie. Like, come on, bro. And also, um, I could talk for conservatively 100 hours about Chadwick Boseman's lats. Um, (laughs) Just want to put that out there. I think he had a lot of swagger, too. When he, like, comes back and kind of, like, shows Killmonger that he's still alive and he's just sort of, like, walking up to him like he owns the place. Just incredible. So that, to me, just a lot of swagger in this movie and a lot of, like, confidence, which I thought was great. But the other thing that I really loved was the costumes and the makeup. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we've been focusing on like acting and plot and stuff like that, but the production design of this movie is unbelievable. I mean, if they don't win every technical Oscar next year, it's, it's a complete hit job. Like they have, they have built this pretend country and they have just lovingly filled in every detail with something so lifelike and unique and wonderful. And it is just, I mean, any it's it should be a template for anyone who has to do any world building in the future. It's fantastic. The, the, the costumes are incredible and the way that they infuse the technological advances into literally every part of every scene, everybody's yes, life. Yes, Wakabi's, his people's like their their capes turn out to have like vibranium in them so then they kind of pull the cape around their face and you see it becomes kind of like a shield at the end you saw that that was so great and you know wakabi raises he's like a pastoral person and and they raise battle rhinos (laughs) yeah they do you know and it's it's wakanda is at once this incredibly modern city and also these outlying rural regions but they all have these technological advances and and i read a lot about the costumes um the woman who who helmed the costume design team is ruth carter she has basically been the costume designer for every significant african-american film i think potentially ever um she dressed everybody in selma She's worked on Spike Lee movies. She did Roots. Um, she's worked on all these really, really amazing pieces of African-American filmmaking. And she and Ryan Coogler, the director, and her design team and everybody specifically sought out all of this, all these designers from Africa. And everything looks like it was sort of taken from this rich history and these these rich cultures and from all over Africa and just every single piece of clothing and every single everything was crafted with such, as you said, very lovingly and with a lot of respect and, and honor. 
Um, and Ruth Carter says um, that she kept four words on her vision board as she designed everything beautiful, positive, forward, and colorful. And it just completely well, shines she succeeded. through. She succeeded. <laughs> she succeeded on all Everything those. was gorgeous. And I have to say, I, I think my favorite, favorite, favorite thing about the whole movie was just how proudly and positively African it was. Just my favorite thing was just how like joyful it was about Africa. <laughs> so what Gene Demby said about this movie, he is a like a culture guy over at NPR. I think he does their their podcast about race. He's one of the guys who does their podcast about race. But what he said about this movie was he he liked it, he didn't love it. I'm a little bit in his camp on that. But he said what he really wanted was to just watch a documentary about Wakanda. I would be so in for that. And I was also kind of with him on that. Like, that this movie was good and I enjoyed it and I thought it was really solid. But I I kind of, the action scenes kind of didn't do anything for me. Mm. And what I really wanted was more of like, like a movie actually set in Wakanda that's not about like punch, punch, jab, jab. That's actually about like... You know, maybe there's some sort of like political thing that happens. <laughs> like, there's a bill that has to go to the Senate, or like, you know, like, <laughs> or just how, like every how day, does someone become an elder, or like, what, you know, like, just a slice so... of life of Wakanda. Yes, totally. Like, you know, like the station agent, but in Wakanda. <laughs> it actually sounds like, um, so Ryan Coogler, I, I watched a video about like scenes that had been cut out, and I think we had talked about this on an earlier yeah, podcast. Yeah, there was a four hour cut. There was a cut. four hour cut of this movie, and there was even more that they did didn't film because of budgetary reasons and it sounded like one of the things that they didn't even get to film was a lot more just like world building in Wakanda well they should have an entire I mean considering that this movie has been the most like unbelievably runaway successful movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe pretty much yeah they should take all that idea juice that they have and be like okay well we're gonna have an entire like Wakanda cinematic universe I would Everyone would go personally. (laughs) I don't have any money. I do. (laughs) And your debit card was just stolen, so you don't even have that. (laughs) I don't know why we're laughing about my financial (laughs) misfortune. (laughs) They would make bank if they just, like, you know, they're like, well, they've got a whole Wakandan thing, like, and we're going to have, like, a Shuri movie, and we're going to have an Okoye movie, and we're going to have a Nakia movie, and we're, you know, and we're going to have this, that, the other thing movie. I would love that. I would love that. I would love that. And I think they would be foolish to not capitalize. On. And if Disney is one thing, it is not foolish about capitalism. No, for sure. I mean, this movie made Bank. bajillions of dollars. I don't I actually don't know how much money it made, but it was like the fifth most successful opening it had movie a more weekend. Successful, yeah, it had a more successful first week than Civil War, I think. Yeah, so. which is not surprising to me. Um, because as we said at the beginning, people who, like my coworker who is from Grenada was the one who I mentioned earlier, who she doesn't care at all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe or anything. And she's like, you know what I want to go see? Black Panther. And I was like, you should see it. And she, I actually talked to her after she saw it. And I hope she doesn't mind. Uh, not that she listens to this, but I'm going <laughs> to share a little tidbit from our conversation because I this really stuck out to me. She said, as an African-American woman, this movie showed me that it's okay to be natural. I wear a lot of wigs. She does. She has amazing wigs that she wears to work uh, every week. But she says, I wear a lot of wigs, but the general was so much more beautiful and comfortable bald. And I just like thought that was such a, like a wonderful, just such a wonderful thing to take away from it that for a lot of people, like it wasn't about 
the punching the and plot. The, the plot yeah. or anything. It was just about what it means to have these characters. Representation. Yeah. Yes. What it means to have representation on screen. And um, I will also say that every black woman in my theater uh, cheered when Okoye threw her wig at that guy. <laughs> every single one. <laughs> they were like, so great. It was great. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I think that's sort of the, the biggest takeaway for me is just the people who were so... I mean, I was excited by it too, but I think I... I think I felt that way about Wonder Wonder Woman. Woman. Yes. So that was what I eventually came around to. I was like, I feel more strongly about Wonder Woman, even though some spoilers for Wonder Woman. I hated the end of Wonder Woman. I hated that they killed my boyfriend, Chris Pine. Spoilers, yeah. I said spoilers. Yeah. They killed Steve Trevor. I thought it was a terrible decision. Well, we don't know if he's, you know. Well, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. But I thought it was a terrible decision to kill Steve Trevor. Like, truly terrible. But other than that, I loved that movie. And I love that movie in a way that I didn't love Black Panther. Sort of in like a in a more emotional way than cerebral way. And I was like, well, that's just because like I finally get to see someone like me on the screen, like yeah. destroying Nazis. Uh no, they're not Nazis. They're World War One pre-Nazis. They're and- but they're yeah, they're pre-Nazis. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. And so for me, to to go to Black Panther and to basically feel like I really enjoyed that. That was a really solid movie, but not to feel like this deep soul love for it because, you know, there was no one like me on screen kicking butt and that's fine. You know, yeah. I, you know, if you're a white man, you get to have this feeling every day times a year, <laughs> every day of your life. I remember after Wonder Woman, somebody was like, somebody on Twitter was like, is this what men get to feel like all the time? And it's like, that is true. Like there was, a, there was a really funny uh, Twitter video that went around of a bunch of black guys probably in their early 20s looking at the black panther like big stand-up thing in the theater and like yeah. in the, the lobby of the theater yeah. and them saying the exact same thing is like is this what white people feel like all the time and i want to be like not white people just white men but yes i think yes. so yes i think so yeah i think that's yeah i mean i think we buried the lead like an hour into this podcast i'm just like this is the point of this movie and i and i think you know, it does. I, I thought it was a very solid movie and I enjoyed the plot and I even enjoyed the action scenes because of all the technology. Uh, yeah, we got to get into this because this was this was a meh thing for me. Yeah. But finish your thought. But I, I think that the thing that this movie had and that Marvel and Disney and I hope every other, you know, movie making apparatus or just plain... Uh, Cultural apparatus. Cultural apparatus takes away from this is that representation matters. And not just that it matters from a moral standpoint, but it will rake in the dollars for you, my friends. Yeah, that's what they did learn, which God bless them. Yeah. I mean, so I think we can, going back to your earlier point, I think we can expect a follow-up movie and maybe a Shuri spinoff or, you know, the continuing adventures of Nakia the Spy, which I would super be into. Oh, and, yeah, that would be You great. know, or, like, some some rides at Disney about oh, yeah. flying through Wakanda. I mean... Oh, please. If they did, like, you know, like, the Star Tours experience, but yeah. they set it in Wakanda instead. I would love a Wakanda hotel, Disney, if you're listening, where we could just stay... So they might do a, I think it'd be more likely to do a Marvel themed hotel and to do like a big Wakanda wing because they don't, they don't do things based on one movie generally for the hotels. Yeah. I'm just getting my weird Disney world (laughs) knowledge. Let's not do that. Um, But yeah. So here's what I was mad about. Okay. I was actually mad about a few things, but I, 
a lot of the action did not work for me. I felt that the final fight scene between Killmonger and Black Panther was really underwhelming. It was too dark. I realize this is partly a like a function of my being in 3D, but it was too dark. It was too confusing. They're in this thing that's supposed to disable the vibranium, but it only kind of does that sometimes. You know, you can kind of see their faces. You kind of can't. Like, I, you know, the, the fight between Killmonger and T'Challa when they are both just human power grappling. grappling is very affecting and then they just kind of become these little you know uh, action figures that are that a little kid has picked up and is like banging against each other and it just it had i had it had no impact on me i i i didn't understand even what was really going on with the vibranium disabling thing it was very inconsistent and i was like this is really disappointing because killmonger is such a good villain and for him to get his final battle as kind of like well, I don't know, like, uh, punch, punch, fight, fight is like, it was such a letdown for me. Yeah, I mean, I will say that I think that is a failing of a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And even beyond that, when we look at, I felt the same way for the final battle in Wonder Woman. Honestly, when she and Ares are squaring off, it was the least interesting part to me because it does eventually just become two characters facing off who are incredibly impossibly strong and so they just have to my friend meg who works on these movies uh my best friend meg uh shouts to you meg i didn't see meg's name in the credits i did i got a picture of it dang it i was looking meg i was looking she worked on black panther and she worked her butt off and i i thought I don't know all of the scenes she did, but I knew one of them and I thought it was really cool. But she says sometimes because, you know, she has to watch these movies to work on them that she she notices that some of them just sort of devolve into punching fights when there are characters that have even like more amazing powers that they could utilize in more interesting ways in order to to fight each other. And that happens in Unfortunately, I think every single Marvel movie, one of the reasons why I didn't watch rewatch Civil War before this uh, was because the end fight between Cap and uh, Iron Man is so devastating because they just punch each other almost to death. Like, I'm not kidding you. That is they, so that is so boring. They are just but it's it's brutal because it's very up close, but they are just hammering away at each other. And it's that, it's like, there was some of that in the Thor movies. There's some of that in basically every movie where at some point it just comes down to brute strength. And I, I completely hear you because I think we see this and, and it's... So all- you know what I, I wrote in my head that I thought would have been a better thing to happen? Yes. Is if somehow they went into the spirit world. Ooh, I like this. And instead of it being a punch-punch, jab-jab situation, it was some sort of... They have to get the spirits to rally behind them or or they're they're grappling in a spirit plane where it's not this physical contest. It's a con because the problem the whole problem with the Wakandan monarch choosing situation is that it does favor this brute strength. And I would argue that the movie makes a really good case for why that's a terrible way to choose a king. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It's not that T'Challa would have been a better... Like, M'Baku would have been a perfectly good king. He seems like a good guy. But T'Challa yeah, manages... Yeah, he's a good gorilla king. Yeah. yeah. So, but T'Challa manages to kind of, like, get around him and, and and get one over on him. 
So therefore T'Challa's king, and that doesn't seem, like, hooray, I guess, but, like, that's not a good way to pick a king. And then Killmonger wins, so we really know it's not a good way to pick a king. Yeah, like, T'Challa is a good man. Right, but that doesn't necessarily come out in the boxing ring. (laughs) Right. And Michael B. Jordan was also in Creed, so we know that he's really, really good at all of this brute strength stuff. (laughs) Right. So I would say that it would have been interesting if they had put something into the movie about how, like, hey, we're not going to choose a king this way anymore because it's a really bad idea. And maybe one of the ways that they could decide that they're going to choose a monarch now is that they're going to send the contestants into the spirit world and they have to have some sort of spirit journey, which then actually tests the metal of their soul in a way that you would actually want in a monarch. And so then I would have really loved for that to have been sort of a plot thread. And then the two of them end up in the spirit world and that is, and, and it's not a contest of physical strength. It's some sort of spiritual contest between them where T'Challa has to be spiritually victorious because that's really what the movie is about. It's not about brute strength. No, it's not. And so it was really disappointing for me for the this like final battle to be like just the most generic Marvel, like, oh, I punch harder than you. I punch better than you. Yeah, I, I managed and to the stab CGI you. was. And the CGI was not great. I'm sorry. It was just not great in that mm. that whole thing. Like that that final battle. It was it was uninspiring. The CGI was uninspiring. I mean, I, I think I I really like that. I I mean I really like the idea of, you know, it's not about because I, I think you're right that it is more about like your ethics and your character than it is about your brute strength, like how you rule and everything. Because it's not that Killmonger it's not that he has a different idea of how to rule. Nakia arguably would, if she became yes, exactly queen, would have a different idea of how to rule. It's not that. It's the fact that he's he's brutal. He's brutal. He brutalizes people while he's he, there. He like, straight up murders Adora Milaje. Just just slits her throat. It's terrible. Yeah, it's it's really he murders her. He he threatens physically threatens. Um, he murders Shuri. Forrest Whitaker. He physically threatens Shuri. He physically threatens the woman who works in the flower garden, pit. the yeah. flower. So like he is like a tyrant basically. So yeah, and his whole thing is might makes right. That is right. his entire philosophy. So for that to be given a rubber stamp by the Wakandan monarch choosing process is kind of hypocritical and weird. Well, it's interesting too, because I don't know. I, I think to a certain degree, the monarch choosing process is a little bit at this point in Wakanda's history ceremonial, because you notice that all the other tribes that have a young man around the same age, they say, we choose not to contest this. Right. So, but Mbaku really does. I mean, he's not doing it for show. He really is like, I don't think T'Challa is a good king and I'm going to go yeah. up there and see if I can do it myself. Yeah. So he's meant to be like the heavy in that scene, basically. But I, but I think in terms of like the, you know, Killmonger is billed as such an outsider that he doesn't even respect the the system that they that they've come up in. And so he uses it basically that it is a system of might makes right instead of a system of like, well, this is a ceremony that we go through. And, you know, you see them on the way to the ceremony and they're all like celebrating because it's really a coronation more than Yeah, but is. if M'Baku had won, M'Baku would have become That's the true. king and the Black Panther. That's true. Although, would he have wanted to be Black Panther? That's a great question. Because he I seems really so. chill being the... 
Gorilla King. And by the way, one of the things that I was met about is I was like, you guys are the most technologically advanced nation in all of Earth. And M'Baku, like, couldn't send Nakia a text message that's like, hey, I got your boy. Like, I, I know was, it's I know uh, it's supposed to be for dramatic, dramatic effect. effect, but it's like, it's not like you guys are isolated up here. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't think they could have made that work dramatically. No, they certainly couldn't have. But I, to me, I was just like, you know, how worried Angela Bassett is. I was like, you couldn't just. Yeah, poor Angela Bassett. You just, she like, just lost her husband. I was like, and you then couldn't her- tell this woman that her son is alive. <laughs> like, I, I think Mbaku was really torn about what exactly he wanted to happen with T'Challa. You think so? Yeah, I don't think that he knows what's going on with Killmonger, or maybe he does. You know, he doesn't know. They have to tell him what's going on with yeah. Killmonger. Or he sort so, of is also like, you know, I, I think, it, interestingly, he's a little bit isolationist within this isolationist nation. Right, exactly. He's saying, like, well, that's not my problem. And it's not until... They do, I didn't mention this in the plot summary, they do write in to save the day at the end. They his, do. His tribe does. They, they are much like Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon. Yes, it's not until Everett Ross basically says, like, you guys are going to be next. Like, if you don't think that Killmonger is going to try to take you over, too, then you're a fool. It's not until he says he's that. Right. He's, he's right. He's right. I mean, he's right. I, I think, you know, Killmonger is just, you know, power hungry and will not. I mean, he has in shooting his own girlfriend in cold blood. You see that Oof. he basically steps on anybody who gets in his way. He's not interested. He doesn't really have any moral quandary. And I think to your point about the final battle, that almost would have made something more interesting where if, you know, the fact that T'Challa is merciful, like, could have done something somehow for him in that last battle, that it is about who you are morally and ethically rather than how you're built physically. Yes, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I also, I was disappointed that they killed Killmonger. I was too, man. I, I was I thought, too. like, well, this is the best villain the Marvel Cinematic Universe has probably ever produced. I mean, let's remember the very first one was Obadiah Stane, which can you do your impression, How please? ironic, Tony! <laughs> <laughs> Tried to rid the world of weapons and you gave it its best one. Or... My friend Meg, who now works on these movies, but did not at the time because we were in college when it came out. Uh, Her favorite line is, uh, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. (laughs) So, yeah. It was not good. (laughs) It was not good. No. No. So, yeah, the, the, the template for the Marvel villain is ridiculous, over the top, screamer at the top of the lungs, often badly cgi animated hello thanos or hello what's his name um ultron the, ultron i was the james spader voices him so that's what i was gonna say but ultron is basically just this like collection of parts and he is scary in his own right because he is just a collection of parts so he's completely without human morals but yeah it's uh it's it's, it's a rogues gallery the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe uh, villains. It's not good. Killmonger is sort of the only one where it sort of makes you question. Like he ha, you know, he has a point to a degree. Basically, the point well, I would say more, more. It's more that he has this backstory where you're like, yeah, I mean, his uncle killed his dad and left him in this 
you know, alone. Yeah. We don't think we, I don't think that we really know his mother really was around at all. Yeah. It doesn't look he like it. Left him alone to fend for himself in Oakland in 1992 at the age of like 10. Like you've got to be yeah, kidding was, me, man. He was basically raised in hell and grew up to basically join special forces where I thought this was really interesting, learned how to overthrow a nation basically by being in American special forces. Like that's what Everett Ross says, Everett Ross yeah. says about him, that he knows when to strike at times of crisis within a nation, like a, a leader dies or there's a contested election or something. And you go in and you slash <laughs> Oh, a contested election. Oh, you say, we don't know anything, don't about, know anything that. about that. Um, <laughs> But you go in and you slash and burn and, and you and you obliterate the culture and you obliterate their means of protecting themselves and all these different things. And so he learned that very purposefully from the Americans. Yeah, I mean, he he left. I, I saw an article. I didn't I didn't read it, but I, I saw a headline that I thought was really interesting that that Killmonger is the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Magneto. Oh, um, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, that's a great analogy. So I would say, just like they never kill Magneto, they ought not to have killed Killmonger. No, because Magneto and Professor X are obviously white, but they are the Martin Luther King and Malcolm X of mutant rights. Mutant yeah. rights. Actually, I flipped them. Magneto got it. Yeah, yeah. Got it. And yeah, I mean, it could be, and I think in the comics it is this... Obligatory disclaimer, Malcolm X had a lot of different views during his tragically short life. Yes, but we're talking about the the phase of his life when he was the most radical. Yes. Yeah, just as that, you know, we... Someday I'm going to get through that Manning Marable biography of Malcolm X, but I have small children. <laughs> yes. Actually, Ruth Carter worked on the Malcolm X movie too, so... Oh, with Denzel Washington? Yes, with Denzel. So, yeah, I mean, I arguably think that they should have kept Killmonger around because... They absolutely should have kept him around because what is going to be their... I mean, I guess they're... Villains in the future are going to be well. Now their borders are a little bit more open, so it's going to be someone outside. But and and they are now more a part of the MCU, so they're going to have all these outside. Yeah, exactly. These external threats. But I think you you see it in in X Men that they do this very well, where they have outside threats, and there are moments when Charles Xavier and Magneto are allied, and it is always like a a very tense alliance. But they're allied against an outside force. But when there is no... But they always then have some kind of disagreement on how to deal with that outside force. And I think the movie's going Charles, forward... Charles, I think we should eat the non-mutants. <laughs> <laughs> but you under... Like, look, I understand... And talk about, you know, seeing someone on screen who kind of represents you. You know, we're Jewish. And Magneto is a Holocaust survivor and you understand how he got to the point where he believes what he does about people because of what he's seen and what he's been through. And Right, that's the sort of generational trauma that, in a way, the slave trade can be for the African diaspora. Yes, and the, and the subsequent, what the slave trade meant for African Americans and, and civil rights in this country, right? That it, it shapes your view of the world. And I would also argue... Looking at Africa, I mean, if Wakanda has been around for 300 some odd years, Africa's been through a lot during that time. <laughs> well, that's in that opening yeah. like sand play yeah. montage. Yeah. And they, they basically talk about how the slave trade was the thing that got Wakanda to close its borders. 
um, because they were so oh, okay. at the very I, beginning. I missed that. So he sort of says like the rest of the world was going through all this turmoil. So we just went like, nope, not for us. And so that's how they protected themselves. But 92 was also the year that there was a referendum on apartheid in South Africa. So like you look at particularly in the 20th century, what happened with colonialism and anti-colonialist sentiment in Africa and and what that meant for all of these countries and and regions where it used to be completely colonial. And then there were all these really, you know, bloody conflicts and, and nations were left like completely just gutted. And then you have all the civil yeah, wars that came afterwards. Not incidentally, Ulysses Claw is a white South African who talks like someone who was Apartheid's biggest fan. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, he is, yeah, he is a, a white South African who, you know, he's kind of a mercenary. But yeah, he, he do, I don't think he has any love for black people. Yeah, no. And so it's interesting to think about, I think, them picking 92 has a lot more to do probably with Oakland uh, and what was happening in LA at the time. But it was also interesting for me to note that at the same time, apartheid ended in 91 and there was a referendum in 92, that if you look at Wakanda's place on the map, you have basically all of its neighboring countries going through incredible and oftentimes very bloody change at the same time. And, And they basically, Nakia's whole thing is that they have sort of turned their backs on their own neighbors in favor of saving themselves. And Killmonger's point is that they, they've turned their backs on the African diaspora. And, you know, he literally says at one point, there are a lot of people who look like you or look like us around the world who needed your help and you weren't there for them. Which is why I wish they had kept him alive. Yeah, I Because agree. he was so effective. He was so well-written. He was so well-acted. There had to have been a way to keep him alive at the end of that confrontation. And yes, it was effective for him to say, throw my body in the ocean, like the ancestors who threw themselves off the slave ships. That was a that was a gut punch of a line. But I think I would rather have the character and lose the line than lose the character and have the line. I would too. And I wonder if there's sort of a way around that. Like, I wonder if he saves him anyway or something. I mean, we don't well, see it. I mean, someone I was someone, someone I was talking to on Twitter was like, it is a comic book movie. Like he can come back. Everybody can come back. Everybody can come back. But on the other hand, it would feel a little cheap if he did because he obviously had his heart set on dying. So yeah, he didn't want to live, but yeah, I'm with you on that. I think, I think just like Xavier and, and uh, Magneto that that kind of tension about how to, rule a movement or a country would have been very interesting going forward. Yeah, exactly. In some ways, Killmonger could have been not a conscience, but this sort of agent of chaos who was sowing ideas among the populace. Like it would have been really interesting, but okay. I don't want to, I don't want to hammer that too much because we're uh, 90 minutes into this (laughs) and I'm the one who has to edit this thing. So the other thing I was met on was kind of like the, action in general the a lot of the cgi was a little bit weightless i don't know like the ship flying around it didn't feel very real not inside the ship but when you saw the ship from the outside it didn't feel very real there was just a lot of stuff where i was like oh that's very cgi that's very cgi and 
That is just, I guess that just is what it is. We're at a point where CGI is very good, but it is not, it, it still doesn't pass the sniff test of fooling you and making you think that it's real. I would and, say particularly for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I mean, my understanding so is that... dependent on CGI that... Yeah, so my understanding is that the Marvel movies, they are paying bottom dollar for the CGI. They are forcing all these uh, VFX companies to fight each other, basically like a, like a bunch of gladiators, to become the lowest bidder. And they don't give them enough time, and they don't give them enough resources, and... So what they end up with is CGI that is good, but honestly could be better because they starve these companies of money and time. So, you know, the whole Life of Pi thing, you remember this? No. Life of Pi, which, you know, was all about this kid trapped in, well, the it's the movie makes it out like, and the book makes it out like he's trapped in a boat with a tiger, but it all turns out to be a metaphor, whatever. It was all a dream. No, it was all... It's a, it's a metaphor. Okay. Um, terribly sad metaphor. Like, I don't want to be trapped in a boat with a tiger, so... He turns out he's, like, the worst guy from a shipwreck, and the, he, like, kills this kid's parents, and it's just terrible. But what? Okay. Sorry, spoilers for Life of Pi. It came out, like, 15 years ago. Get, get on it. So Life of Pi won the visual effects Oscar, or whatever the equivalent is on the Oscars. And the guy got up there to accept it. The guy from, like, the... The VFX has got up there to accept it. And he's like, yeah, they didn't really pay us. And now we're bankrupt. And, mm. and they, so the, the studio just bankrupted this VFX company who made this movie possible. So there is like this huge problem right now in Hollywood where they are underpaying and under-resourcing these VFX companies. And I have to be honest, I think it shows in this movie. It's still a visually stunning movie. It's still a good movie. But I think if the VFX studios had had enough time and enough money... It could have looked a lot better. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Was there anything that you were like, eh, meh about? Um, I think we kind of touched on it, which was just Wakabi's character switching loyalties so quickly. Mm, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know what to think about him. He he was a little thin. I agree. He was he was a little expositional and he was a little thin. But other than that, I mean it was it felt pretty solid to me. I didn't have anything I didn't have anything that I was like, blech. I I hate I didn't have anything I hated about it. I don't think I did either. I will say I thought to myself that that casino scene because we talked so much in our Star Wars <laughs> recap about Casino Planet and how much yeah. we didn't like it. This casino scene, I mean, not the scene itself because like you know it it was fine. It was an action set piece. I liked it, but again, to me, it was like. It's so dark. What is happening? I can't make out these people. And it's. I think it's because I was in the 3D shot, which so. I'm really annoyed about. But the outfits, again, I will just call out the, the costume design here. The outfits that they are wearing when they get out of the car and go into this casino, I was just like, this is my sexuality. It's just the three <laughs> of you walking into this nightclub together. Their outfits were incredible. And the music was great, too. I don't really have... I mean... The mess stuff was more like, I kind of wish we had seen a little bit more of the Dormelage, and I think that was yeah. stuff that had gotten cut out, I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are going to, when they release the Blu-ray, my understanding is like there is going to be a lot of stuff restored back to the four-hour cut. I'm, but thank God they did not actually release a four-hour cut. Yeah, I mean... I could not have taken that. No. I don't, I actually was like, you know, I also think I maybe don't have tons of stuff that I was like, oh, I can't believe they did that because... 
I don't, my heart doesn't live in this series the way that it lives in Star Wars. So, like, right, I exactly. wasn't as viscerally moved by any of it. Yes. You know, but I still thought it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. Not to the point where I'm going to go see it again in the theater because, you know, as everyone has cottoned on to by now, like, two small children getting out to the theater is really hard and I kind of want to save that chit for if Wrinkle in Time is any good. I really want to go see Wrinkle in Time. If the reviews come out and are positive, I want to go see it. That's one of those ones for me where... So Black Panther, even if the reviews had been meh, I would have still gone and seen Black Panther because it's like, it's a Marvel movie. It's, you know, it's black representation. Like, I'm going to go see this. Wrinkle in Time is one of those books that I basically slept with it under my pillow. I was going to say, it was your whole childhood. Yes. Yes. So... If they have mangled the book, I cannot go and see it. Sorry, Ava DuVernay. I can't, like, good for you that you got to helm this hugely expensive project. But if they mangled that book, I'm out. I am out. No. So I if the reviews you. come out and the reviews are like, yeah, it was really faithful to the spirit of the book and it was and it was good, then I will go see it. I will absolutely go see it. If the reviews come out and say... Well, it wasn't faithful to the book, but I enjoyed it. I'm not seeing it. Uh, and if the reviews come out and say it was bad, I'm definitely not seeing it. Your boyfriend, Chris Pine, is in it. I know. That's a big draw for me. Yes. <laughs> he is Mr. Murray. He's, well, he's, yeah. do- he's, he's Mr. Dr. Murray. Dr. Mr. Murray. Yeah. As opposed to Dr. Mrs. Murray. Yeah. I mean, that was how I felt about... I know you don't like this series, but Ender's Game. When they made the Ender's Game movie. Right. I Which saw, I heard was not good, right? No, oh, the movie was not good at all. And I saw it with a f- basically the friend of mine who like got me into the Ender's Game series. We saw it together and we were both like, what was that? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, no. So that's what they did with... Um, the Giver. Remember the, the gi- Thank you. Yes, The Giver. Yeah. I, I, I was like... I saw the trailer for The Giver and I was like, nope, 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 nope. nope that's nope. exactly it. And so I think, yeah, I mean... I don't have if I if I had been reading Black Panther comics since I was a kid and if I had been like watching all of the coverage and the TV appearances and this and that like I think I would have had a very different maybe I would have had a different reaction to some of this stuff but because I'm a little bit more of a casual observer of Black Panther right. I you know I just thought it was a really strong movie and and I'm and I'm just so glad it was made i'm really 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 yes. glad it was made it's you can't untangle that from the movie itself no you know where i i like i'm like well it was a really solid superhero movie and i enjoyed it and i thought that there was i thought the pacing was excellent and yeah. the acting was excellent i will say one thing i met on is that i can't believe they underused sterling k brown but I've i said that like t- i said that like 20 times but seriously man but i think he was seriously he was like guys i'm I really have to be on the set for This Is Us. And Ryan Coogler was like, no, you will stay here in this apartment and you will have this really it's wrenching TV scene. show. It only films parts of the year. I mean, this, come on. They could have made it work. They Whatever. They made it work. In any case, you we know, you, I, where I just, I'm like, well, this was a really good movie. Like, it didn't blow my skirt up, but like, it was a really good movie with a lot of good acting. But then at the same time, it's like, also, it's an incredibly important movie and you kind of can't untangle those two things. I certainly can't. I mean, and I think this sort of, I know that there have been a lot of uh, kerfuffles about representation in terms of like other properties like 007. James Bond, right? A lot of people were like, oh, Idris Elba should be James Bond. And people are like, no, he's too street to be James Bond, which is like the code for racist nonsense. It's not even code. It's just, yeah, it's just racist. And I think this sort of like, 
I think one of the reasons why you had scenes like the casino scene is because that was your James Bond movie in the middle of this superhero movie, right? Mm, It's sort of proof that, yes, we can do all of the, like, you know, Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, and all of the fighting women in this movie, the Dora Milaje, like, are all credible as action heroes in addition to credible as being leaders and credible as being, you know, complex individuals with their own thoughts and feelings about the way this monarchy is going and all these different kinds of things. I think, you know, part of it is like, well, we want to showcase as much as possible because if you look at the broader sense of if you look at the broader trends of what's going on in Hollywood like you still don't have a lot of that representation in a lot of other properties I mean Star Wars has started to have it but pretty much every other Marvel movie is white dudes and actually the Marvel comics are much more um yeah they're racially much more diverse. Yeah. diverse and ethnically diverse the comics themselves are much and they more actually than- have women And they actually have women and they have ethnically diverse women as well. So, you know, Thor is a woman now. And like one of the reasons, like I said at the beginning, one of the reasons why I haven't seen the new Spider-Man movies, it's like, look, I I thought Tom Holland was fine in Civil War, but like, I don't need another Peter Parker. Like you have Miles Morales and you have all, you, you know, you have other characters who are, can bring a different lens to all of these properties that... You know, I mean, he's from the Bronx, for crying out loud. Miles Morales? No, Spider-Man, like, Peter, Peter Parker's from tween, Queens. Sorry. But Peter yeah, he's Bar- from Queens! Queens, from is Queens. The most, Queens is the most ethnically diverse borough in New York. You couldn't find one kid who's not white in Queens? I think you can. And so I think that's... Part of this is just... It's unfortunate that movies like this or like Wonder Woman have to perform... Outperform everything in order to be taken seriously but i hope that what this means is other movie studios and stuff will look around and say like oh maybe we should consider a black 007 or maybe we should consider you know a woman for this role or maybe i mean and to your going back to what you said about a wrinkle in time right there's a lot of racial diversity in that movie yeah they did color they did colorblind casting essentially which you know I don't think they ever state the race of... Well, no, that's not true. I, I think that the canonically, those characters are white, but they, you know, made the decision correctly, in my opinion, that, like, they don't have to be white. Right. <laughs> right. They sort of took it upon themselves to do some more racially diverse casting in that in that movie, and it doesn't take away from the story at all, right? Whereas I think... You've heard, like, I, one time I heard, I'm sort of going off on a little bit of a tangent, but one time I heard, um, I got to hear Philip Pullman speak, and he talked about the process for pitching The Golden Compass as a movie, which is another book series that we loved and the movie did not do justice to. I did not see that movie very I saw it, and I was like, meh, uh, meh. But, I mean, the book is amazing. But he basically said that movie studios said to him, can Lyra be a boy? And he was like, no, the whole literal... Yeah. He's like, the whole... <laughs> and he said no. He said the the literal entire point of this series is that Lyra is a girl. That's the whole point of this series. 
She is Eve, y'all. Yes, Spoiler yes. alert for a series you should have run 20 years ago. She's, But, like, that's... He basically had to be like, no. And there were movie studios that passed on The Golden Compass because it had a girl protagonist. And they couldn't convince him to change it. And so thinking about that and thinking about movies like this or movies like Wonder Woman or movies like, you know, A Wrinkle in Time... I'm so glad that they're getting made because it is busting this myth that it all has to be about white boys, basically. Well said. Yeah. So next week we are back to Good Place Season 1 Guilty Knowledge Rewatch. Next week is The Eternal Shriek. We do have a piece of listener mail, but I'm going to save it for next week since it is about The Good Place, kind of, and it is not about Black Panther. Okay. So I think that is it. So until next time. Oh, wait. The music was amazing. And so I've been jamming out to the soundtrack all week. And I hope the outro is something from the soundtrack. I'll I'll make it happen. Okay, cool. Until next time, Wakanda forever. See you next time, Wakandans. 